Hey everybody, welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll post-game show. I'm Christian Rivas, joined by Anthony Irwin. Um, Anthony, first off, how are you doing? I can't complain. I can't complain. I mean, it, it, not just in like regular life because you know it's, it, things are going all right, but but also because like I can't find anything to complain about the Lakers about. Like I literally cannot complain. This is weird. Yeah, I I mean, you seem to be doing well in spite of that. Um, like your career has not completely fallen off because you haven't had anything to complain about. So I guess that's good. Well, we'll uh, see. It's been like a week. <laughs> we'll see how long this kid, this carries on for. Yeah. I've, I've also found myself just kind of like throwing my hands up in the air when it comes to like stuff, the team needs to improve on or just like stuff I take issue with. Cause like, honestly, the biggest issue I have, with the Lakers or, or just basketball right now has nothing to do with the Lakers. It's the fact that basketball is being played in the manner in which it is. It's just, you know, all of mm. this going on uh, during a pandemic and, and players testing positive is just uh, not a great thing. Cause we still don't know what even um, a positive test means for, you know, down the line and all yeah, that long-term ramifications. It's, it's all bad. I, I do not know what the answer is, but feel like the NBA could be doing a little more than it's doing right now. Uh, but, you know, that is out of our hands. I think it is very unlikely the season is suspended because money <laughs> makes the world go round. Certainly yeah. makes the NBA go round. Uh, so for that reason, the Lakers did play a game on on Wednesday night. And it's, it's getting to the point where I'm kind of just asking myself when the Lakers are going to play like a competitive game again. <laughs> yeah I, i'm initially so my complaint to start the year was are they gonna try yeah <laughs> like when when are they gonna start trying and then they did and then you're just like oh my god okay 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 we got it we got it <laughs> you know you start to feel bad we I, I said this on on my show earlier but i was watching this game with jen while we were eating dinner and she just like leaned over and she's like why why is the other team so small <laughs> like, what? like are the lakers just that big or are they that small and i was like both yeah yes, yes and no yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and it was just you know right from the get-go so i'm I'm actually looking here uh i just happen to have it pulled up but the game starts with uh you know three-pointer by kcp uh shea gets a gets fouled on his jumper so it's it's three to two after his two free throws and that was the closest to the Thunder were the rest of the game. That was it. The Lakers, you know, they, they went on a bit of a run there, and it was, it was you know, it went from three to two to five to two to five to four to, four to seven to four, and then nine to four, and that was it. It was just, it was over. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of compared it to, you know, those viral videos of, like, kittens running through like tiny little cities, like cities right. that are made really small. Yeah. It was just, you know, LeBron had layups whenever he wanted it. Marcus Hall was just giant on the interior defensively. And then Anthony Davis has now decided, yeah, that's, that's right. I'm Anthony Davis. How about that? And it was just, it, it, OKC was thoroughly outmatched. And that's basically what you could say about everything the Lakers have played whenever they've tried. Yeah. I, so I knew this wasn't going to go well for the Thunder when I saw that. Uh, Al Horford was sitting. Not that I think Al Horford would have stopped Anthony Davis or, you know, LeBron James, but he certainly would have done a better job than two second year players who 
uh, are both six foot eight. eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they, I'm, I'm fairly confident he could have done a, a better job. Um, 76ers fans probably disagree, but uh, they're going through their own thing right now because <laughs> they they weren't the team to to land James Harden. Uh, let, me, let me get your quick thought, thoughts on that because yeah. I feel like the 76ers are fine where they're at. Like, I don't think they absolutely needed to pull off this James Harden trade. I also don't think the Nets needed to, but I I think I could have made more of a case for the Nets than the 76ers. I think the 76ers would have probably been pushed closer to championship contention if they pulled off that James Harden trade. I think the Nets are objectively, like, uh, how do I say... They definitely have more talent <laughs> at the sure. top of their roster than they had uh, prior to this trade. Yeah, I, I'm probably the lowest person on James Harden in like the NBA Twitter sphere. I just I don't like his game. I don't. I think he's very talented, and I think the numbers that he's put up are, have been ridiculous for a really long time. But but I just don't think it translates to meaningful playoff basketball very well. And he's had runs where he's challenged even the Warriors, right? But that was a few years ago. And in those few years, he hasn't made the tweaks to take that next step. And he's blamed everybody around him and now finds himself in Brooklyn in a situation where apparently, like, I think Joe, uh, I, I, I want to get the guy's name right. I think it was Joe Dumas uh, reported. Um, I forget, it might not even be Joe Dumas, but somebody's last name uh, with the last name Dumas reported that uh, the Nets made this trade because they are concerned Kyrie Irving just like might not come back. Like they don't know how that's going to go, which so the Nets traded all of their assets for the, the opportunity to have a point guard who doesn't seem all that interested in playing in the NBA a fat shooting guard, and and now you know they're joining Kevin Durant post Achilles tear, and I don't know, man. That team just doesn't really scare me all that much, especially when you consider like their their best big because they sent out Jared Allen as DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> that is a that is my favorite <laughs> part of all of this. Sorry, I yeah. I did not mean to laugh. It's just <laughs> no, it's, the, you should laugh. It's, the only reason they sent out J, Jared Allen, well, maybe maybe the Cavs were like desperate to get him or, or desperate to help make this this trade happened or whatever, but it didn't seem like they needed to send him out. They only seemed to like not be that interested in him because he's better than Deandre Jordan and was getting minutes from KD and, and Kyrie's buddy. Like, I don't, I don't understand like what is going on there. And, and for all of the people who, you know, kind of thumb their nose at LeBron James holding leverage over the Lakers, like at least the Lakers have been successful. This, this doesn't, this seems like a way that could just, fail catastrophically and 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 we could all be laughing at, at your zen yeah i i mean i could get old takes exposed this could be clipped and and you know recycled by brooklyn nets fans for the rest of time but i i honestly don't know how much closer this got them to the lakers or any team in the you know upper tier of the nba because i'm i mean ultimately whatever Kate, whatever side you're making the case for when it comes to this trade, the pieces that the Nets had, like even with their roster, they were still only a 500 team. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the argument is there is room to go up, there's room to go down. I think it is uh, 
you know, more likely to go down for reasons that aren't basketball related or maybe aren't um, directly basketball related. I think there's just a lot of personality in one locker room and I do not know how they'll mesh, but that is not my problem to worry about. That is Steve Nash's <laughs> problem to worry about. Uh, to worry about, as I'm who sure only, you know, who only like last wow <laughs> last week found out that he's actually their head coach. Yeah, like, they, they won a game, and Kyrie was like, "Actually, yeah, Steve is the head coach." Like, oh, good to know, Kyrie. That's great. I'm, I'm happy to have found that out as your head coach. Yeah. Uh, when we come back from the short little break, we're going to take. We'll get back into the Lakers, who, uh, yeah, despite that Nets trade, are are still my favorite to win the championship. So that'll be us when we get back. The Lakers with another wire wire uh wire to wire win rather uh win over the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday beat them 128 to 99. Uh Bill Orm actually put out an interesting stat uh that I want to share. So on uh on Tuesday he tweeted in the 96 minutes of basketball they played Against the Lakers this week, the Rockets led for a total of 11 seconds. The Lakers won 120 to 102 on Sunday and a 117 to 100 tonight. Completely dominant. He tweets again today saying the Lakers are in the process of wrapping up another wire to wire victory. That means over a three game road trip, the Lakers will have trailed for all of 11 seconds. That is just absurd. And it's like, on one hand, you say, these teams like OKC is is tanking and and Houston was like in that weird trade fiasco with James Harden. You, they're still NBA players, right? Yeah. Like they're they are still guys who who are prideful and don't want to get embarrassed. And the Lakers just straight embarrassed this last three game trip. Once they once they started, there was that report right from Dave McMenamin saying that the the Lakers were frustrated with the lack of intensity and. And they were trying to do this thing for like the first six weeks of the season. They were going to try to kind of ease their way into the season and and, and kind of go from there. And they got sick of that, which, you know, sounds great. And then they immediately backed that up with <laughs> what was it, 11 seconds of the, of trailing from that from that re- report moving forward. Like yeah. that's it's just that's great to see. It's it's great to see that the team's leaders got sick of of that kind of nonchalant approach to the game and 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 led by example like Anthony Davis was the one who was calling out the defense and then for the next over the next like five games I I don't think that streak is still going I think he snapped it tonight but for five straight games blocked yeah he didn't have a block shot um five straight games blocked three at least three shots in in those five games and and while you know you can pick nets as far as are are block shots the best way to gauge like if somebody is actually trying on defense Hassan Whiteside is is the example of like that being demonstrably no yeah (laughs) but but like but AD I think is one of those examples where yeah I think it it is kind of an indicator of of how hard he's trying on defense and uh and and the Lakers have just looked just unbeatable and and again granted the disclaimer is the team is that, that they were playing but but I, this is the best basketball I've seen from any team this year. It, right. You know, it, I, I don't think anybody really comes close. And I think when you talk about blocked shots, it it isn't, you know, a stat that all across the board makes you a good defender. But I do think it signifies kind of a shift in tone of of how mm-hmm. hard the Lakers and Anthony Davis were competing on the defensive end because Marcus for 
you know, as good as uh, as sneaky good as he is on the defensive end from just watching him uh, is not a great shot blocker, at least not anymore. Uh, and if the Lakers were going to be a good defensive team at that four and five position, it was going to require Anthony Davis being that shot blocking big that he was last mm-hmm. season because he doesn't have, you know, the likes of Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee next to him. Did not do that in the beginning of the season. And I think they suffered a little bit from from his lack of aggression on the de- defensive end. Uh, through 13 games now, the Lakers have the best defensive rating in the NBA, uh, allowing 104.4 points per 100 possessions. Uh, trailing them is the Dallas Mavericks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> the Philadelphia Just like we 76ers. all predicted, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you look at their roster now, it's like Andre Drummond, JaVale McGee, Jared Allen, Larry Nance Jr., and... I mean, obviously, they, they haven't played Jared Allen yet, but I was watching a game the other day where they had Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Larry Nance Jr., and another big on the floor. It was uh, uh, Thon McCurr on the floor at the same time. And I'm just like, what? Who, who's the shooting guard in this lineup? Yeah, it's... Nance, uh, right? It has to be Nance. <laughs> he, is, he actually is shooting uh, pretty well from, from three this season. So shout out to Larry. Uh, I think he's... Genuinely, one of the coolest dudes in the NBA. Yeah, friends, um, friends of the Chase Down Pod. I they're, they're like, like, burgeoning friendship is like one of the more like wholesome things on on Twitter every day. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think for for this Lakers team, when you kind of look at heading into the season, I thought their identity was going to shift, and that uh, when they were looking, when when they looked their more their most demoralizing, it was going to be just the offense clicking it in in ways that is really difficult to defend and they've done that this year. And then they've also been demoralizing defensively in some of the ways that they were last year. And when you can do both of those things, it makes you really difficult to beat, let alone like on any given night, but especially in this, in this kind of series, these, these back-to-back games that they're playing, you give Frank Vogel the opportunity to have game or game tape the very night that they play and they, they he gets to make tweaks for the team that they're going to play the next day like that's his that's his yeah. fever dream this is where this is what he's been waiting for his whole life and then you have players as smart as Anthony Davis is on the defensive side or as smart as LeBron James and Marcus Soller on the offensive side and and I think for most teams you would get the apathy that sets in when you're playing the same team you beat by a lot the night before I think for the Lakers, they kind of see it as a challenge. Like, all right, this is what we did the night before. And sure, they're going to have off nights and they're going to have nights where they don't come out. They come out flat or something like that. That's going to happen still because they're human beings. But they kind of see the first game as a tone setter. And then they try to jump over the bar that they set. And more often than not, to this point this season, they, they kind of have. Especially lately, this has been incredible. Right, and I, I think the defensive end of the floor is where the the Lakers want to make a statement because of all of the noise around, you know, them getting worse defensively by by letting go of Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, and Danny Green. Uh, I think that's a statement they wanted to make early on, especially with the way they started the season. Uh, but the area I wanted to talk to you about before before we headed out here was is their their three point shooting because they are 
averaging roughly the same amount of three-pointers they took last season. They attempted 31.6 attempts per game last season, attempting 31.7 attempts this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they have the third highest percentage in the NBA right now at 39.6%. Only the Milwaukee Bucks and and Clippers are shooting better. I think prior to the season, we heard guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Alex Russo say that this championship run that they just ended on or that they just ended made them feel confident going into this season. And I think we've seen that with both KCP and Alex Caruso, but I'm wondering beyond confidence, is there anything you've seen stylistically with the way they played this season that has allowed guys like, you know, KCP, Alex Caruso and, and Wesley Matthews to shine as, you know, those types of three and D players. Well, they're so open. Like, yeah. it, it's it's astonishing. Marcus All at least once a game takes a three pointer where there is not anybody within like the general in the arena. Almost it looks like where he's where he's taking that three. There is so much attention spent to AD in isolation that you have to sag way off somebody else. And it's not like you can sag off LeBron, even though he isn't your typical, you know, catch and shoot three point threat. He's still LeBron James. <laughs> like, who's ever guarding him is not going to wander off of him. Uh, like I said a second ago, like Marcus Gasol has been uh, the the beneficiary of of a lot of wide open looks, uh, and and KCP is is kind of translated his shooting from the bubble over to what we've seen to this point. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has has been better than I thought he was going to be in in some of those spots. Right. Um, and then and then Wesley Matthews started off really slowly but has progressed to the mean in, in a way that you would kind of anticipate given how yeah. wide open everybody is. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a super smart team. Like Pete and I were talking about it on yesterday's episode of, of locked on Lakers. And, and we were marveling at this. We've seen a couple times where Marcus Gasol is actually ahead of LeBron on a, on a play where he has a read and LeBron hasn't quite figured out that read. How many players in the entire NBA can you actually say that that's going to be a, a, yeah. a thing that not just happens once, but regularly? Yeah. And and so you have such a, a a smart offensive team, and you have guys that are equipped to to hit to knock down these wide open jumpers, and and like I think we'll eventually we'll see a bit of a regression. Mm-hmm. I think they'll probably be top five, maybe not top three, but top five, maybe top seven as far as three point shooting teams in the NBA, but. But it's not like teams are just going to all of a sudden stop guarding Anthony Davis with a double team or stop paying attention to LeBron James. That that's not changing anytime soon. And and when Montrezl Harrell is on the court too, like he he has his own uh, gravity that teams have to pay attention to. So there's just it's this really kind of cool combination of uh, fantastic facilitators who are also hyper-intelligent, and then you have finishers on the other side of those passes that are knocking down these shots with confidence. Yeah, and that's the thing with Anthony Davis, right, is everybody wants him to become, you know, more of a three-point shooter, and I think it's awesome when he knocks it, what knocks him down. Obviously, when he's hitting shots like he was in the postseason, he's, you know, unguardable. Yeah. Uh, but I think the thing with Anthony Davis that you alluded to with LeBron is – you just want defenses to be able to respect him from uh, from out there because with the growth he's made as a passer and the type of passers you have uh, with LeBron James and Marcus Gasol, 
the floor is just so open for those cutters, whether it's uh, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Just There's so many ways for them to get a basket this season, and I think mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Davis becoming respectable from out there is going is going to open up a lot for them. So, and then uh, also also to that point though, like you have you have you know Dennis Schroeder has talked about the unselfishness of this team, and and other yeah. guys across the roster have talked about the unselfishness of this team. Nobody is forcing bad shots. Like one of the things that kind of drove me insane with Kuzma was that he was taking forced jumpers when there were better options later in later in these offensive sets. He's, he's, he's not doing that anymore. He's, he's being a lot smarter. And so you have, again, it's this, it's this collection of really smart players who all know that eventually they're going to get theirs. It's just a matter of buying into that team wide concept. And, and they have, and to this point, it's just, it's beautiful basketball. Like it's, it's really fantastic stuff to watch night in night out. Uh, Before I, before we get out of here, I, I need to ask you, uh, as I do every time I do a podcast with you, uh, <laughs> we need to spend at least a few seconds to talk about Kyle Kuzma. Uh, uh-huh. I do not feel as strongly either way uh, because I I don't know. I, he just hasn't lived up to my expectations personally, but I have learned to temper those expectations and accept him for who he is because that is part of love. Um <laughs> How would you grade Kyle Kuzma's season so far? You know, I've liked it. I have. I mean, obviously, you'd like him to knock down shots more consistently, but we're all, I think we're going to be saying that about Kyle Kuzma for the entirety of his career. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think I've just kind of accepted him for who he is on that, on, in that regard to the, to the game. But like lately, he's really focused on rebounding. There was that stretch where he was trying to block everything. Uh, he's made himself a better passer on ball defense has kind of slipped a little bit. I haven't, I haven't been thrilled with how he's doing there, but, but what I like from him is he's realized, all right, we're really good offensively and I don't have to force these things. And when on nights where I don't have it, which, you know, so far this season has been about 50, 50 nights that he doesn't have it. How else can I affect this game? And the other night he had an 11 and 11 line uh, line where he got that double double coming off of the bench was the team's leading rebounder, I believe. Uh, tonight, I think an, again grabbed, yeah, grabbed uh, six rebounds, and and uh, is is again like his passing makes him such a different player. It, yeah, it really elevates his floor. Where last year, if he wasn't hitting shots offensively, you're saying. <laughs> Do, do we have to have this guy out there? But, but because of the passing that he's the passing ability that he's shown, even when he isn't knocking down those shots, he still warrants a place out there on, on the court more often than not, because teams uh, have to honor his shot for whatever reason. And, and uh, when they don't, or, or when they, when they over honor it, he attacks to close out, find somebody else who's more open. And, and it really fits in with the, uh, the team wide concept. I've, I've I've enjoyed it. This is music to my ears. I am enjoying. I mean, I, if if you didn't have to go, I would let you continue this. Uh, but I w- I will have you know, he is yeah. shooting thirty seven point seven from uh, percent from three, which is not bad. It is definitely better than the thirty one point six percent he shot last season and the thirty point six percent he shot the season before. So if he he's can hover around there. I, yeah. I think he's slumping a little bit lately. He oh, was for sure earlier, but, but, but again, though, like I think, I think his approach to shooting 
uh, will will help keep that percentage up higher. Like I don't think it'll ever dip below thirty two or thirty three percent again because yeah. he's not taking those tougher threes and and he's not forcing the issue there, which for him is is half the battle. You are practically doing my job for me. Uh, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to me about the game. Uh, I don't know when we'll do a show together again because our schedules are shifting all the time, but uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, and I can assure you next time that we talk, we will talk about Kyle Kuzma and hopefully should. sometime between now and then he'll <laughs> go off for some crazy stat line where I talk myself into him being the third star again. Just just make sure you stretch before those victory laps. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> We're both getting older. You know, you just got to watch yourself on this. Your, your, your younger brother just Whoa, turned 21, yeah. right? <laughs> so like, just make sure you're doing your stretching, man. Get some yoga in or, or whatever it takes. Just when you run those victory laps, you got to warm up. Yeah, I, God, I only have so much of my Kobe year left. I am, I am approaching my, God, I, who... I can't even think of a 25 off of the top of my head right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for, for talking to the game with me and thank you all for listening. We will see you next time.